You're listening to the voices behind Women's Cricket Chat. That's Hannah, Georgie, Cassie, Mahika and Alex. Coming up on today's podcast... Hello and welcome to Women's Cricket Chat. It's me again, Hannah, and today I'm joined with Mahika. So Mahika is our newest member of Women's Cricket Chat and today is her very first podcast recording. So Mahika, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi everyone, my name is Mahika and I'm currently studying sports management at Edinburgh University. I've worked previously in the 100 with Manchester Originals and I've done a few things here and there, but I'm trying to learn more about women's cricket and sort of like enhance my experience. So I really hope you like my first podcast and hopefully I don't mess up too much. You are certainly not going to mess up, Mahika. I've got full confidence in you. And it's honestly such a privilege to have you involved. So we met Mahika during the 100. She was working with the Manchester Originals, working with Kate Cross and Alex Hartley, which is going to be a story in itself that we'll have to come on to another time whilst... I was working with uh, Trent Rockets and Alex was with London Spirit and Cassie was with the Southern Brave. So that's how we met Mahika. And luckily for us, she was a super keen bean after the competition, got in touch with us and wanted to work with us, get involved with the podcast and has been plugging behind the scenes, trying to do all things kind of sponsorship because we are at the moment looking for a sponsor. So if anybody is interested, do let us know. But moving on to today's guest, we've got the impactful, inspirational and all-round brilliance of Mina Sahor, who is currently working at Warwickshire Cricket Board as a diverse communities cricket officer. And she's going to tell us all about the work she does within the Warwickshire community. Well, welcome to the podcast for a start and thanks for sparing some time. But our first question is just simply, how did you get involved with cricket? So I was uh, I was born in Pakistan and I moved to Scotland when I was 13, so around 2008 February. And my dad was in army back in Pakistan, so they, he, they used to have quite a lot of cricket events. So I was very sporty and my dad really wanted someone to get into cricket, being the cricket freaks that every Pakistani is, to be fair. So I got into cricket through that and we used to have, studied in a private school in Pakistan, so we had a school, we used to have sports days at school and we I didn't know that PCB was there so I got scouted by PCB when I was in year five I think so I got into the Pakistan A and the national squad when I was in year six so that's how I got into cricket so my dad used to actually pick me up and take me to army cricket events and all of that so that's how I got in that's pretty cool um like back in the day in Pakistan like, was it common for girls to get, like, to get into cricket like this like in a professional way it See, I was really little, so I don't actually remember that much. For me, it was it was just it was just cricket, it was just sports. So like I don't remember it that much, but I do remember like playing with Bismama Roof and Sanamir and you know, having them and shared rooms with them because we were going we used to go on camps for months and months and I was really I was only I was the only teenager there and they were about 25, 26 at that time. So for me, I thought it was quite widely played but I don't having looked back now I don't think so because it was culturally as well it was like okay well you know you're sporty that's good but I don't remember anyone saying okay you play you're going to play for Pakistan that's a really cool thing to do at that time so I do feel like it wasn't it wasn't that outgrown at that time no yeah no but like it's so interesting isn't it especially when you're younger to have those experiences and perhaps not realize how big they are in your life until you have time to reflect on them so tell us a little bit about your story in Scotland what was it like when you first kind of came over and tried to get involved with cricket, was it easy to start playing or was there any kind of challenges you faced? We moved 
my mum actually the reason why we moved was my mum did double masters here uh from Scotland uh and she got an offer to to get a job and my dad was going to retire in a few years time so he thought you know what it's a win-win we might as well move there we'll, we'll try our luck right so for me to, moving to Scotland was a bit difficult because a the lang obviously because I I did know a bit of English but we couldn't speak English as such so that to understand English is a different thing but to understand Scottish English was a lot different so it was a struggle in terms of that but the only thing I knew was to cricket and the only the only gap there was to bridge was was cricket it was different but when I got into Scotland in the 13s and I think I played Scotland first 11 as well they were amazing. They were absolutely amazing. I remember I, I lived in a small place called Kikardi, uh, just uh, by Edinburgh. And I remember people used to, I think, Carrie Anderson, she's now Kerry Catswell, I think it is. She, she used to pick me up as well, uh, driving an hour, extra hour away just to pick me up and then to take me and then to drive me back. So my experience in itself with cricket was really good. Um, but just other things around that was were difficult. But at cricket, I don't think you need to speak English to, to play cricket. That was the easy bit, to be fair. And like, how was the weather? It must have been a complete shock for you. It's so gloomy and dark and cold all the time. I'm not going to lie, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely hated it. Because you know what it is? Back, back in Pakistan, the day starts at like 8pm or 6pm. And the nightlife is absolutely amazing. And day finishes at slam bam 5 p.m here the shops are shut and it's just they not i don't want to use the word depressing but it's really tiring it's, it's mentally draining as well um i don't like i don't like it now i didn't like it then either to be fair but uh, i've gotten used to it now this feels home now to me but it is, it is very difficult it is very difficult understanding them and and actually trying to because in pakistan we because we I felt like we were the same it was quite different here you had to dress a certain way as well and trying to fit in with that it was actually quite difficult but I did I didn't really it didn't really bother me to be fair yeah because I just wonder as well because obviously Pakistan's such like a cricket loving nation versus yeah. Scotland where I guess it's still more of an emerging sport like yes there obviously are the national teams and they, they are relatively successful on a global stage but I'm guessing like club cricket and like local pathways are perhaps behind what you would have experienced in Pakistan? Well, I didn't I didn't play club cricket there. I they, they do regions there. Um so Lahore is a region and Karachi is a region and stuff like that. So I played for a region called Sialkot, which is not far from Lahore. So to me, I did not know what club cricket was. So when I actually moved it, I loved the atmosphere. I I did like the fact that it, it, at every corner you'll find a cricket club, which we didn't find. We could find a lane, literally a lane in my house where I'd just play cricket. That's what we thought cricket was. And here you've got good structure. You've got a youth uh, structure that goes up. We did not see any of that. We So uh, in that sense, this was brilliant because I actually came through a system but in Pakistan you get lucky because you get scouted at a place and you're handpicked aren't you so there's no structure in Pakistan I don't know about now but back then there was no structure as such or maybe I was really young I didn't know but for me it was a completely different scenario when I moved here there's loads of club in the middle of nowhere literally I would I could the places I've been to play cricket is ridiculous because I didn't know anything could exist in that place but it's actually quite refreshing to see that you've got a cricket ground right next to you Oh, very locally, you don't actually have to travel too far for that. That's good. So how come, like, um, instead of playing, like, or, or going into coaching or be, you choose sports management? <laughs> this, this, um, I don't, I don't, well, I don't want to say I regret it, but I think 
I could have made a different choice. Uh, so, because I was very cricket freak, my parents are. My mum is very educationist, and my dad is very okay. You should do anything that you want to do in life, kind of dad. He's really cool. I love him. Um, so when it came to uni picking stuff, my I was really good at IT. So my mum said, okay, this is your route. You should go down that route. My sister is an accountant, so she was very. Um, uh, we've got quite an educational background there and she was like no no IT and my dad said no just do whatever you want to do and at that time I didn't really realize what I was doing so I picked I was like oh that seems really good sport management I'll pick that one so I picked sport because I liked sport in hindsight if you look at it actually I could have played sport and I could have done a different degree outside of sport um, but I don't regret I, I regret doing that degree but I actually don't regret what I'm doing right now which is relating to sport uh, so it is a when you're young you actually not many people tell you and this is the stigma around uh, Asian culture anyway that your parents force you to into something whereas I was completely different my parents didn't force me into something that I actually didn't want to do so so yeah here I am I guess that links quite nicely as well now to talking about what you are doing now so could you just yeah. tell us a little bit about your current role and what you get up to yeah, so I work as a community engagement officer um, for Warwickshire Cricket Board. Um, really grateful for that opportunity, to be fair, because I used to coach for Chanshine um, uh, whilst I was studying because I had to um, I had to pay for my own cricket in a sense because my parents were working and we because we actually moved from a different country. We couldn't afford cricket, which is a luxury here. It's really expensive. We couldn't afford that. So I had to work extra time to cover my match fees and stuff like that so um there was a after I graduated I was looking for a job and uh, a coach who was back then a coach Ed McCabe he said there's a job going on why don't you why don't you have a look at that um I applied uh, and luckily got it so what I essentially do at Warwickshire is I get ethnic minorities into cricket we're not literally thinking club cricket hardball cricket it's um grassroots cricket it's ethnic minorities to get into some kind of physical activity whether or not they want to take cricket later it it's up to them we push that we push them to do that but essentially want to get them into some kind of sport is what I I do currently now um, I have to ask you how did you come up with the glow in the dark idea because that looks so cool <laughs> see it wasn't see I can't take credit for something that I haven't come up with myself when I joined in um, someone had this idea and they trialed it but no one actually continued it if that makes sense and then I thought, you know what, because girls specifically, they don't like to just play cricket. So I thought, you know what, we can add, we can use this and we can put that out. So I didn't, I, if say I, I made this, I did not make it. Uh, it wasn't my idea, but I actually I heard someone saw it in US because they do glow in the dark football or something. So he was like, well, we could try that for cricket. But we only tried it for about half an hour. No one really got into it. And then I took it over. And that's how it became glow in the dark, really. But it is good fun. You should play it. So for our listeners, can you explain what glow in the dark cricket is, like how it works? Yeah, so glow, glow in the dark is uh, literally what, what it says. So we play cricket in the dark, we get UV lights on, uh, we tape uh, the bats and the balls uh, and everything. So we wear a, a UV bib in, on um, and turn the lights off, turn the UV lights on and play cricket in the dark, literally. So like um, with, with all of these programs that you have, they, do you focus more on like boys or like or girls or like maybe a particular kind of ethnic minority or like public schools or more like private schools? So um, when I joined in, um, 
I don't think that Warwickshire actually engaged with any ethnic minority because they didn't have the resources to. So they didn't have anyone who could go in to work in these communities. So yes, there were uh, cricket being played by ethnic minorities, but that was male focused. What I've done is literally taken up the female side of the things. I don't actually focus on many male projects. I pick up the female side and see what we can do with it. So yeah. So what do you think the biggest challenges are for ethnic minorities to access cricket at this time especially for women see it's a deep, it's a deeper topic than than we think if you if you think about someone like me who actually did end up playing semi-professional cricket i.e your county i've quit cricket myself you see uh, uh to someone who is at school is quite interested in sport but can't play for me personally as a personal opinion i reckon it comes down to what your family dynamic is what your family requires or wants you to do if your parents are i.e., like my parents are pushing you to do that then do you know what there's no girl that wouldn't do it uh but i reckon the the barrier itself is i.e. the culture sometimes or the family that you come from because i know a lot of girls that were quite, quite sporty but actually couldn't pick up cricket because their parents uh were not so keen on them but whereas my parents they said look you you've only got one life you might as well live it how you want to live it kind of thing so it, it, I it's it's a very deeper topic and it's, it's quite hard to pinpoint exactly what it is but I think every situation is different my situation might be completely different to someone else's but I believe I reckon this is how this is what I've seen when I coach as well it's more if your parents support the girls then the girls would actually play and they will play to whatever extent that they can play but if you're not if you don't have the support system behind you I think that's when it gets difficult um i was wondering if you saw the comments made by mike opera like from from middlesex about the fact that like south asians don't really progress in sport because they only want to pursue academics like do you agree with that yes and no yes to a sense that you know as much as i do as well if, you know that's how we we've seen uh, growing up we have to have my you know my mom used to say to me if you fail an exam whether or not it's a mock exam to test it's just, it, it could be a 10 minute quiz from school if you fail that no cricket and my dad was like okay I'll, I'll sort it out kind of late but i actually knew that i can't fail a test or an exam because i will cricket will get taken off so in our culture education is must because that's how i feel we get judged on unfortunately as it is we get judged on that which is which is fine this could be so controversial i feel like we they, you know when uh, as ethnic minorities when we're born we're we it's like a set program for us okay you're going to you're going to grow up you're going to get education then you're going to get married then you're going to have a child then you're going to do this and it's a set program whereas if you look at other ethnicities sometimes they're like okay you can do whatever you want you're 16 you know you can choose your own kind of life so yes in a sense that education is must and i think that's why people drop out because at a point where you think okay are you going to go any further it was it was the same with me when i i got to warwickshire first 11 but after a while i realized okay am i going to go anywhere with this if i'm not going to go anywhere with this what am i going to do because we don't it, in a way it, it does come back to financial stuff as well i don't have massive financial backing that i that my dad would like okay you continue playing cricket i'll back you i have to then go out and and my own money as well i i can't do that if i don't have any kind of education so yes education does stop you specifically in um ethnic backgrounds because we are so focused on it and actually people it 
it, it is nice to say, okay, my daughter's a doctor or an engineer or whatever, compared to say, okay, my daughter's a cricketer, you know. So, and some people they take pride in that. My dad is one of those people, but some people don't either. So, I, there is a dropout. I agree with you. I also think that because when I was playing cricket, where there wasn't there was no professionalism we weren't professional at that time so it was just naturally that I was going to drop out because I did not see any other way now uh, then now I think with the hundred and you know uh, the the count system there's no count system but you've obviously got regional stuff the, the, there is a scope of money so people actually can continue but back then we couldn't and you know once you see a road where you, where you think okay you're not going to get anything out of it then do they actually stay I don't I don't really think so I completely understand that side of it when it wasn't professional in terms of like how players had to go above and beyond to stay in the game. And if there are barriers in your way, especially financially, it makes it even harder to stay within the sport. So how did you kind of keep persisting when those times do get tough? For me, it was quite, I had a very different experience. Firstly, got to, got to, you know, we talk about all the, all the things that have gone wrong with counties treating ethnic minority and stuff like that but you've got to commend them when they have done something right for me it was it was a very positive experience because when I when we moved we didn't actually we had to work it was starting it was like starting a whole new life which it literally was so we did not have the money but Warwickshire did pay for my for for my cricket for a long long time so all the Morven festivals that you know are really expensive now like they're three four hundred quid for about two days it's ridiculous but they paid for that and I did not even know that they just came up to me and said okay that's that's for free for you but the, the, the difference is I was actually good at cricket if you are good at cricket then there was a different so they saw potential in me which is why they invested in me if it could be someone who's just being 12th man and I know a lot of girls I coach now they they're in the same literally same position as you because they don't see a road I saw a road for me I actually did see it which is why there was a lot of investment I had you you might know Marie Kelly Anisha Patel Liz Ruff Errol Sims who was then my coach they used to pick me up from my house and for someone to do that that takes a lot of effort I you know I can't thank them enough so it wasn't as tough for me but yes financially when it came to and then I grew up in 16 I started coaching and stuff like that so that's how I earned my money and then obviously paid for my match fees and stuff like that but having said that my parents have never taken me to cricket matches which is really it's really bad to say but they were they didn't have the time to be honest with you they were working so I had all these Marie Kelly's Liz Russell's Anisha Patel's to actually pick me up and take me because had it not been for them I kid you not I would have dropped out at the age of 13 so it is really hard and you've got to have like your team members the support system behind you for, for you to be able to continue for as long as I did Otherwise, the people that don't actually have financial support, they they naturally drop out. They've got nothing. They they can't do anything because they can't ask someone to lend you money. Neither did I. But actually, I didn't need to because they were just picking me up. So the biggest thing, i.e. petrol money, they covered it all, to be honest. Like, it, it was a very different experience for me. Very, very nice. But finance is a massive issue because cricket is seriously expensive, seriously expensive now. Um, and do you think like it's only gonna like it's only gonna improve now with the hundred and having more South Asian women even coming and playing for all these teams? Do you think it's gonna inspire more girls, or do you think like a lot more work still has to be done? I think a lot of a lot of work has to be done. I think so. Um, I, you know, when we talk about ethnic minorities getting into cricket, it's it's brilliant that we're talking about that. But I actually, that includes me. We don't actually know once we get because we do we do have these ethnic minorities playing cricket. But they drop out. They drop out at the age of 15. 
and no one knows why no one actually knows what so we we are doing the work and getting them in actually no one's talking about the fact that there's a dropout and why there's a dropout and I think that's the bit that people need to focus on because see my my dad's generation was like if we leave my dad out because he was he's literally been exceptional for me you think about it people don't let their kids play get their girls play cricket girl i.e ethnic minority then i.e pakistani then i.e muslim there are subcategories into this they don't let that happen the newer generation i.e if i'm to have kids i will then allow my girls to go and play cricket because we've we're more educationally better we know the world in in a sense we're different now compared to them so we're fine by that but it, it never used to happen before so i do, i don't think i don't think getting them in is the issue i think it's keeping them in is the issue for me because they drop out at the age of 16. Do you think maybe having like, you know, female only coaching sessions or ones with, which are more friendly towards like wearing the hijab or something, do you think that might help or not, or even that isn't enough? Sit on the fence with that one because, you know, if I had to, because I don't, I don't drink, right? I did never, I never went out clubbing and stuff like that. And bearing in mind, I could do it because I was away party, like I was away with, with the group. So if, to me it doesn't it doesn't matter whether or not you're in a hijab or i don't think it matters to the girls either i think it comes to a point where the because the two cultures are so different that's when the dropout happens i think it's a, it's not even accepted i think it's educating you towards the other culture and the other cultures have to educate themselves for my culture if that makes sense because like I don't know how to explain this to you. It's for me. I didn't. I, literally, it didn't bother me if it was any coach that was coaching me. If it was a female coach or a male coach, any ethnic, because I just wanted to play cricket. Bearing in mind, I think it's the same mentality. I don't think it's the fact that if you have to have Asian female coaches, but yes, that is true. Asian female coaches are a lot more inspirational. They know the game a bit better in terms of women's cricket. That is true, but I don't think it matters to me. I, I don't think it matters. And you made a really important point as well before about um, like ethnic minorities, about there's different groups within that. If we talk about oh, how can we get ethnic minorities into cricket, it's not just one group it's of people. Easy. It's so, so kind of diverse within religion and race and everything within that. So I think that's such an important point to try and get across in this podcast is if you are going into different coaching roles, like how best can you actually realise who your participants are, if that makes sense? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how to address this because I, I feel like it's such a it's it's such a deep topic and the talk is about ethnic minorities these days and you know what people forget is that if you're not going to see them as different they're not going to be different if that makes sense if I see a white girl but is playing cricket compared to a, a Pakistani or an Indian girl playing cricket it's the same they're the, the common denominator is cricket why can't why do we have to link them as an ethnic minority as this or this or this I feel like we think about this too much what we do forget is cricket what we do forget is the main point like we're forgetting that an ethnic minority girl could be as good as a white girl or a black girl what we do get into is okay we've got a brown girl who's who's doing this who's doing... for me it's a difficult it's a difficult topic because i when i coach or as i've i believe i've seen myself is i see everyone as equal for me so whether or not you you could be anyone uh, and i tr- still treat you the same but then if you're good at cricket, then then yeah. If cricket then becomes the main topic here, I guess that like everybody has different 
barriers that they face and different challenges. And one of those you mentioned was parental support. So do you think that more could be done to educate parents when these players come in at a young age into a system that there could be like workshops put on for parents to actually understand the benefits that cricket does have for their daughter, whether it is showing them the career aspirations that now exist because of these professional structures? I think parents are now more open than what they were back in the day in any case I think they are allowing or they are more open to the fact that girls can actually play sports because you know bearing in mind playing sport is one thing but what you learn from that sport is completely different Uh, not many people know this I learned English from sport I didn't learn it at school because half the time I wasn't even at school so you learn so many other things when you're playing cricket I think parents actually do accept that now there's a different like my parents being the support system for me was different compared to okay when I got a bit older and then everyone else in the community started talking okay she's gonna get married now what's gonna happen to her this that and the other so I know I had the support from, from my parents but then as you grow up there are different conversations the barriers that we have to face these days is it's hard because yes I had the support but at, at one point um it was a case of okay, I, when you know, if you play cricket, no one's going to marry you. This, that, and the other. There are different barriers. So initially, yes, you can ad- educate them, but if actually girls don't, see, if the parents don't see a way up from there, I don't think they they're, they're going to let them continue in any case. So yes, they have to be educated, but can we make it a bit easier for them to to continue? If that makes sense, is is the issue I reckon. So like when you like make all these new programs for girls to play, is it hard like to convince the parents to allow the girls to come, or is it easier now? So if it's a ten week program, we have we start it about four weeks earlier than the ten weeks because we know people are not going to turn up. We have to keep on waiting and waiting and wait. It's just a patience game, and you know the funny thing is if one person comes in right and they actually like it, I kid you not, they will bring the whole community in because that one person will be like okay so we went to so-and-so place this was really nice and the parents and trust that one person and then it's all about trust in this community all about trust if they start trusting you you have a thousand of them there if they don't trust you you're not even gonna have one but talk to us about the south asian cricket academy that's recently launched is it launched this year the saka Yes, so Saka, we started about three weeks ago. So me, Tom was my, Tom Brown was my coach and I've done many journeys with him to, to cricket and uh, he was, he didn't understand why aging ethnic minority girls, because I used to tell him that I'm going to drop out, I'm going to drop out, I'm going to drop out and he just didn't understand it. So he spent a lot of time with me in understanding why that is. So when he rang me a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago and he said, by the way, I'm, I'm trying to start something. Do you want to come back, by the way? And I was like, no, 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 I can't now. It's too late. I said, look, Tom, I want to do something that can help these girls in in getting in, in, in expressing themselves and being confident. Yeah, we can give them all the technical knowledge, but can we pass on that confidence? Can we do something for them? Can we actually do something that will make us better coaches and learn from them rather than just passing it on to them so that's how we joined in as Warwickshire and Saka that's how we combined and came up with the women's academy I, I personally believe I think this is a I hope I'm trying to make a difference here but uh, I uh, I personally believe this is gonna this is a good program because what we're trying to do is we're trying to find out this is this is all a learning curve for us as much as it is for them. We're trying to find out, can we make this experience better for the girls? It's not just about, okay, we're giving you two hours of cricket, we'll upskill you, but actually, can we make you better in upskilling you in cricket? But can we do anything else to support you in learning more 
from them as well as us. So we give them an hour of, we give them a free hour in, 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 the, in the two hours and we say, okay, what do you want to work on? And they say, okay, we want to work on X, Y, and Z. And then that's what we do. So I was really passionate about working with Saka because I felt like we can try and make a difference. And even if we change someone else, if we, even if we change one life through that program, I think we've done well. So I was wondering like, how many girls do you have involved and what sort of programs do you run within the um, like organization? within my organization so uh be ready for this because i started with about nine projects i think i if i remember correctly i run about 18 to 19 projects now and i i i don't i don't have a social life anymore let's just say so we run different programs so we run something called bolly cricket as well so we do 45 minutes of fitness bangra and then 45 minutes of softball cricket it's not even tennis ball cricket it's a foam ball so it's really really soft it's like a stress ball uh we do different so like for me, it's not just about getting cricket. It's about something that they can relate to and join that in to get them into cricket. So we do obviously glow in the dark cricket. We do softball cricket. We we've teamed up with Deloitte. We work uh, we work with Deloitte, get people from different ethnic minorities to get into cricket. So we we do quite a lot of different programs. There's about 19 of them, which includes a lot of things. I, I run a program with ESOL ladies, which is uh, Southern City College and ESOL, uh, English is their second language. And I kid you not, they, a lot of people, and there are different ethnic minorities, there are Patans in there, Afghans in there, Syrians in there, Pakistani and Indian. And do you know what they say? That I've never, I've never touched a, a ball and I've never played cricket because we're not allowed to at home. So when we come in, I have about 40 of them in one session. And one of them will hit and someone will say, okay, I want to be like Afridi. But then one of them says, oh, I want to be Virat Kohli. So you can see the difference. It's, uh, and you know, they hit the ball and it, 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 I don't feel like if I'm, if I'm exaggerating, I don't know, but it actually does feel like we've made some kind of difference there because you should see them. You should actually see them. They love life for that hour. So I'm hoping, I I do hope that I'm actually making some kind of difference. I really hope I I am. You definitely are making a difference. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see that kind of expanded even further across the country. I know there's different groups that are doing kind of um, Bollywood cricket and that kind of stuff. But I want to see more of it as well. So yeah, I'm yeah. the worst person with social media. I don't like social media. I don't put my stuff on social media. I don't touch social media at all and I get quite I get penalized for that a lot of a lot of my bosses they say okay you need to put your work on social media but it is hard for someone who actually doesn't like it so uh, that's probably why we don't get you might not get uh, you might not hear about it a lot often but Warwickshire is actually doing quite a lot of fantastic work that we don't ourselves which is our fault we don't shout about shout out about it you'll have to send it our way and then we can just push it out on our <laughs> channels um I would, I would. yeah no but it's it's just it feels infectious just hearing you talking about it like I'm like oh I want to go and play Glenn the dark cricket and I want to go and do this and that kind of thing so hopefully people listening as well will be getting that energy too to be like we're going to try something different and you don't have to play like you say it doesn't have to be hardball 11 aside cricket you can have different entry points and that's okay you don't have to come into cricket to be an elite cricketer you can just enjoy the game for the sake of it so what has been kind of like your highlights so far within all of that work that you've mentioned what's been the biggest impact do you think you've made I think I run uh so with glow in the dark cricket we run a 10-week program with the girls uh just to get them into cricket and then because if they just do glow in the dark cricket they expect that every week so we want to keep that as a as a surprise element something that will bring them together so we run a 10-week program and one of one of the schools we we've currently worked with six schools i started with three schools and built it up to six 
one of the uh, schools have 45 girls in a session and you should hear them talk they actually talk about oh my god I have never I don't get the chance to do this and I think one of the girl came up to me and said look apart from these four walls I have to be a different person because I can't be this loud I can't shout I can't scream I can't jump about and tell people off this is the only hour that I get to myself where I can be myself and that actually hit me because I actually forgot that I was enough to to pursue that and be myself because my parents were unfortunately my parents really did support me but some girls don't get that support and I felt like I was making a difference in her life even if it was for an hour that I think for me that is the highlight that we we can't fully change someone's life but if we can do that little tiny bit to make it just little tiny bit better for them for that one hour in the week and they absolutely love it they religiously come you know they don't miss they don't miss a 10-week program if I can do that then I think that was my highlight if I can change someone's life just for an hour because I, I do believe that it, culturally it's very difficult. It's very difficult because I have I have faced it myself. I've seen it. I was lucky enough that I, my parents did support me. But if they weren't going to support me, what was I going to do? You know, it's it's very difficult. And if I can change, if I can if I can make or help someone uh, just for an hour, I, I think for me I've I've done I've done my bit. I absolutely love that like you're saying you're like choking off a bit I'm literally trying to not not to tear up I'm very hormonal at the moment um <laughs> honestly quite passionate about cricket if uh, oh. I don't know if you can uh, sense it but I am. no but it, 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 it hits hard doesn't it like it does hit hard like the impact that you can have on people's lives is just phenomenal and like just to allow somebody to express themselves in that way like that's the biggest compliment you could get coaching wise isn't it yeah, I don't, I, I don't coach as such, but um, I, obviously because I'm so busy organising events and stuff like that, but I do want to learn as coach. Usually we're going down the route of professional coach and stuff like county systems and stuff like that, but I actually really, and it sounds really bad, but I actually really enjoy working and coaching the bottom end of cricket because the passion that you see there, you actually don't see, not don't see, but you actually, it fades away in a sense because it becomes professional, it becomes quite competitive it becomes that thing but when you start when you're quite young or when you start at a very lower level I think that's when you should see it makes a lot of difference to a lot of people's lives and that leads nicely on to the next question about the differences between working within the participation side of the game of just that entry level versus the elite level and what's needed with the likes of the soccer program versus the glow in the dark cricket like what are the biggest challenges and differences in setting those up I think the the counties across England, they are doing a very wonderful job because I know everyone's doing the same kind of stuff, whether it works at their, because some things might not work at my area compared to whatever, but I think everyone's doing it. So everyone has got something going. I think the dif- the difficulty becomes when it, when, for example, if I've done glow in the dark, where do they go next from here? Because next could be club, but club is a very huge step for them from glowing it up because that's only continuous cricket, remember? So whether or not we can bridge a gap between that continuous cricket to club cricket is also worth looking at. I personally believe, and that's not I'm not saying that because I work with Saka, I personally believe Saka is doing an amazing job in bridging that gap. Obviously, this is a pilot for the eight weeks that we're doing this is a pilot and we have picked up girls from county level under 15 programs but I reckon going forward SAC might want to look at girls that are have got the passion have got the backing and stuff like that 
who are into clubs can we find that raw talent from there so it it is it is difficult because you do all sorts of programs and you don't know when people are going to drop out you don't know what's going to click for them what's not going to click for them some people actually don't even want it getting into county and club and stuff like that whether or not we can keep them engaged and stuff like blow the dog volley cricket any kind of continuous cricket after school cricket whether or not we can keep them engaged for that time as well I think that's a win for everyone because yeah they don't want to be professional cricketers but actually they are learning so much about themselves whilst playing cricket they are learning so much about other people they are getting a lot of it sounds really good on a CV, but you actually do get that. You get leadership skills, you get communication skills, you actually work in a team together. So you are getting a lot of things, even if you're not playing professionally. So for me, as long as it's up to them, if they want to stop playing cricket, whatever, if it's glow in the dark, if it's continuous, if it's whatever, if they want to continue playing that same level, then that's fine. I don't even know if I've answered your question, to be honest. <laughs> it was a nice answer regardless. So... <laughs> Mahika, have you got the next question? So, um, I had a question about like language. Is it hard like to talk to people like who maybe can't speak Hindi or, or like who can't speak English or Urdu? Like, how do you communicate with all the students? I actually, so with ESO programs, uh, that, bearing in mind you've got Afghan, so this is Pashto we're speaking about. There is Punjabi, Indian, Pakistani, so all sorts of language. So when I did the glowing dark with them, I had to explain myself in English to begin with. And then I had to explain myself in Urdu. And then what they did was they they understood bits of it and they had to tell their own friends in their own language. So it is difficult. But for me, I think as coaches, you actually tend to realise what when they're understanding things and when they're not. If they really don't understand the language, what you do is you literally talk through the drill, you demonstrate it right in front of them, and then they just pick it up from there. But I, I'm lucky in a sense because I can understand Punjabi. I can speak Urdu. Hindi and Urdu are exactly the same thing. There's no there's no difference in the cultures at all. So for me, it's easier because I can I can speak to them. I can communicate with them. Language is a barrier, I, I reckon. But, you know, people get after a while, once you do, people get over it, I reckon, after a while. Because you can get a few points across that you want to get across. It's sometimes not as difficult. Going forwards now, what what are your hopes for 2022 and Warwickshire Cricket Board and obviously Saka as well? 2022, I think it's a massive year. Commonwealth is around the corner and you've got the Women's World Cup that is also like starting in a month, I think. And I think we changed a lot of lives when the women won the World Cup. But unfortunately, I th- I felt like there was, a, there was a graph that went up and then it just died down because of COVID and stuff like that. If we can continue that graph going up through the Commonwealth Games, through the back of that, and the 100 actually made a lot of difference, then we'll be able to, we'll be able to sustain that. For me, I, th- I personally, for you, I think it's easier to get into cricket. I think what people need to worry about and think about is how you sustain them, how you keep them in the in the program rather than getting them in because we get quite a lot in it's whether or not we can keep them and how do we keep them do we need to understand their culture do we need to understand them as humans because sometimes we don't because we just assume they'll fit in but sometimes they don't they don't fit in so how can we what can we do to make it easier for them to to stay and I think Saka comes right into this and I think Tom Brown's doing quite an amazing amount of work where he's trying to understand what we can do to sustain them rather than bringing them in because we do that through women's softball festivals and stuff like that anyway it's what can we do to sustain them for me I think 
we need to look at. But it actually, it's a huge year for women's cricket. Do you have any special events for the, the 100 this year or the Commonwealth Games? <laughs> too many, too many. We've got one every month from Warwickshire. So we've, we've had a timetable. We've got one every month that we're going to focus on specifically on ethnic minority girls. We're actually doing a NACC women, that's National Asian Cricket Council women versus Birmingham 11. That could, that's now, that's not ethnic minority 11. That's anyone from Birmingham who, who wants to have to take part in a good T20 hardball cricket will put up a, will put up an event that's going to be directly linked to Commonwealth. But we're, do, we're doing quite a lot of stuff. We do quite a lot of Eid Millers and stuff like that. And then we're trying to up uh, we're trying to up the amount of schools that we engage with. So we specifically target ethnic minority schools where we can have a bit more reach, trying to target them to make sure that we get them into cricket. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff. It's too much. I feel like sometimes you don't get a break. And if people do want to get involved and they're listening, how can they reach out to you and how can they find out about the latest events? So Warwickshire Cricket Board is the website that they need to go to. There's everyone who works in whatever programmes and their email addresses and their numbers. And I think my number's on there and my email address is on there. If there's anything that I can do to help them out, they just need to give me a shout and I'll do everything I can to help them. Perfect. Mahika, have you got any final questions or are you ready to wrap up? Do you have any like, piece of advice to any girls who are feeling lost and confused and don't know how to sort of like, get started? Anything for them? actually that's a really good question a piece of advice I just for me I just think if they really think that this is what they want to do whether or not they want to do it professionally or just for for the time being I think they should go for it they'll be actually really surprised at what women can achieve if they start something because what we get told are our roles and genders and actually we don't explore what we we can do so if they are feeling a bit down about starting this, my one advice would be to try and challenge yourself and go for it. You'd be surprised the amount of stuff women can actually do and women are actually good at that. We just don't have the confidence to do it. Uh, and once you get into that system, once you get into the sport, you'll actually end up liking and you'll make new friends and people will support you. There are a lot of people that do actually support other people as well, uh, bearing in mind. So once you do get into it, I, my, my advice would be to, to try and test yourself and see where you get i absolutely love that and that's such a nice way to kind of round up our final bit if the dog stops squeaking his toy is we just do a quick fire 60 seconds questions so it's just like last book you read you know, you know what i mean one of those okay okay so mahika have you got some lined up as well or do you want me to do this <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like i've thrown you straight into a deep end today like first ever podcast episode you've done really well mahika so she's matched it. it yeah i hope you've enjoyed it um I- <laughs> but yeah so I'll, I'll quickly do the 60 seconds quick fire questions if you're ready go for it favorite ground you've played at edge baston favorite ground internationally that you've been to i've been to lahore Gaddafi stadium but i would actually love to go to any indian stadium and watch Virat Kohli back it's my dream i was about to say favorite player and <laughs> favorite, no, player. favorite player has to be barbara Azam. has to be barbara Azam. nice last book you read 40 rules of love i think that was if you're at a village cricket ground and they've got the teas out, what's your go-to first item? We don't get many options because not many people did halal stuff. So unfortunately, it was tuna, to be fair. Sweet or savoury? Oh, savoury, for sure. Not sweet tooth. Netflix or Amazon Prime? Netflix. Last film you watched? I don't actually remember. Last film I watched. I watched a very old um, film the other day. I can't remember. But the last thing I watched was uh, Money Heist. 
So that was a long time ago. Favourite player that you've played with? Amy Jones, for sure. She is the most sweetest and kindest person you will ever meet. And this is where I say, I don't normally do these questions, so I'm dreadful at this. <laughs> um, Mihika, have I inspired you for any, like, just a couple more? Um, Hollywood or, or uh, Bollywood movies? Definitely Bollywood. <laughs> There's no answer. Bollywood, full stop. I'm a proper Bollywood freak. On Scotland or England? Oh, England. <laughs> Scotland was hard, man. Scotland was hard. I feel like you, you agree with that too. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually we'll hang out we should come you should come to them yes i think we had quite a few questions i think that was like that was plenty wow. yeah <laughs> i just need to know that next time i'm doing this i need to actually get them prepared and proper i forget yeah. <laughs> no one's ever done 60 seconds on me so this was yes. a good one but thank you so so much for your time i've absolutely no, thank you. you i've learned so much as well so hopefully our listeners will do too Thank you so much uh, to you both for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. And if you guys are in Birmingham, do give me a shout. <laughs> Commonwealth Games, we'll see you there. <laughs> oh, yes. If I get tickets, that is. <laughs> we can't seem to find any tickets. And you're hosting. They, well, we are Warwickshire Cricket Board. We're not Commonwealth. Yeah, yeah but it's a you know, stadium, you know. Ask we could sne- I could sneak in, to be fair. I could sneak in. Just get your lanyard on. <laughs> we have to get accredited now so um you remind me actually the deadline was 14th of feb i have to get myself accredited before that so uh, i'll get on that right now but yeah hopefully see you at the commonwealth's and uh, speaking hopefully. in if if not officially but um yeah I, I honestly can't wait for that it's going to be a huge year for birmingham it's going to be really good fun i reckon thank you ever so much for all your help cool and yeah if you've got anything at all that you want us to promote just ping it across in an email and we'll make sure okay. we're but yeah have a lovely rest of the day and thanks for squeezing us in okay thank you both take care bye massive thank you to mina for coming on and being a guest on the podcast it was really interesting to hear her thoughts on certain topics and really great to see the work she's doing at warwickshire especially with things like glow in the dark cricket and her work with saka and if you want to find out more about saka go to saka-uk.com Massive thank you to Mina for coming on and being a guest on the podcast. It was really interesting to hear her thoughts and perspective on things. Also really great to hear about the work she's doing at Warwickshire, especially with Glow and Dark Cricket and making cricket more accessible to South Asians. It was also really great to hear about Mina's work with Saka. Now, if you don't know what Saka is, it stands for the South Asian cricket community and if you want to find out more about Saka go to saka-uk.com and to all our listeners if you want to keep up to date with everything that we're doing you can follow us on twitter at wcricketchat on instagram at women's cricket chat and if you want to give us a like on facebook we are women's cricket chat if you'd like to give our personal twitters a follow then it's at hannity1194 at georgia heath 27 at cassie coombs 98 at mehika varshney and i'm at alvish james this has been women's cricket chat tune in next time